Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Deal Dash. Use the promo code ROTHSHOW to check out some great deals. And then there is Bet Online. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Get your free welcome bonus. You know the drill by now if you've listened to this podcast. So, hey, guess what? Training camp kind of sort of officially started. The Lions reported to Allen Park on Tuesday, and considering there were no transactions made on the official wire as of 6 o'clock on Tuesday night, that should mean that every Lions player has reported to camp so far, and that unlike some other teams, there have been no opt-outs yet. Now, there's still a window for players to potentially opt out of the 2020 NFL season, and it would not shock me if... You saw that happen because I think you're starting to see that from around the league that players are going to be opting out. Players are going to be making decisions for their families. So far, none of those play, no players have said that for the Lions. And I'm just going to say this right now. If any Lions player ends up opting out because of his own health, because of the health of his family, because of any concerns whatsoever, do not criticize him. Do not bash him. Do not really even question it because it, at the end of the day, it is a health decision. It is a personal decision. These players put themselves on the line every week. They understand the sacrifices they have to make. They understand the sacrifices it took to get them there. And in a lot of cases, they understand the money they are giving up by choosing to sit out. So the decisions they're making are very personal to them. And if you rip on them at all, especially if it's a player that maybe the Lions are expecting big things from, Really step back and think about that and think about why you're actually doing that. Because, yeah, I know this is a little bit preachy, but you just shouldn't. These this is, these are tough times. As much as football might be back, as much as things may at some point seem somewhat possibly a little bit back to normal here and there, they are not. COVID is still very real. COVID is still very much affecting many of people in this country, hundreds of thousands of people in this country, millions of people in this country have gotten coronavirus. And it's going to happen in the NFL too. You're seeing it with the COVID reserve list. You're seeing players pop up every day. It would not shock me if tomorrow a Lions player or two, just based off of the odds, not any insider information I have, but just based off of the odds, if a Lions player or two 
ends up showing up on the COVID reserve list. If it doesn't happen right away, it will likely happen at some point because there is no bubble for the NFL. These guys are going to go home every day. And they're going to be around other people. They're going to be around their family. They might be around some friends. Their kids, if they have them, are going to go back to school. It's going to happen at some point. Just kind of understand that and be sympathetic and empathetic toward it because these are real-life situations, guys dealing with real things that maybe you don't know about, whether it's just the birth of a kid or a pregnant spouse or uh, maybe an underlying condition they haven't revealed or a condition they have revealed or maybe a parent who has cancer who's around or anything at, at all you can think of that can happen so if a player opts out do not criticize them that's just just don't like let's be smarter than that as a as a group as a people and, and let's just you know, understand that every player is making a decision for themselves. So didn't really learn all that much today, obviously. All the Lions did was they showed up, they got tested, then they went right back home. Same thing is expected to happen tomorrow, just a little bit on the schedule this week. Tuesday, which was today, the day I'm recording this, come in, test, go home. Wednesday, come in, test, go home. Thursday, they're having virtual meetings. Friday, come in, test, go home. If all three tests are negative, then they could come in, start getting physicals, and then start strength and conditioning. If they test positive at any point, then they have to start going through protocols and wait to get negative tests back. And, and we've covered some of that in the past. So that is what the rest of this week is going to look like. I expect you'll hear from some people within the Lions on Wednesday morning. And we're going to kind of go from there. I think you're going to start to hear from Lions players, Lions coaches as we go here on out. And obviously we'll recap some of that and maybe have some sound for you on the podcast every day. A couple of things to note before we get into today's main topic, which is the defensive preview of training camp to go with yesterday's offensive preview. Uh, ESPN.com, my employer, Dan Graziano had a nice piece on the website about the Lions and their approach to COVID and COVID prevention. I think it's worth reading. They are, it's very detailed. I'm not going to go into all of it here, but it is a very, very broken down, very, very detailed look at what the Lions have done to make sure that their facility is safe and is ready to go for when players are eventually allowed back in the facility, hopefully at the beginning of next week. Second thing, was, which is tied to that, Rod Wood gave a, a virtual tour on the team's website of what they've done in the training facility and in the practice facility, and they've definitely spread some stuff out. To me, the things that stuck out the most were the six feet away from each other chairs to try and have a team meeting on the otherwise very large indoor practice field and some of where they moved some of the training tables. Uh, I was a little bit skeptical of where some of the training tables were. They're in, obviously, the main corridor and main hallway, but some of the spacing, and maybe that was done just for video purposes and maybe they could be moved, but some of the spacing didn't quite look six feet. But Rod Wood, maybe his most common comment during that video was six feet apart, stay safe. So I would imagine that when push comes to shove with players, those will be six feet apart. They're taking it very, very seriously in Detroit and in Allen Park, and that is a good thing to see. 
I think we'll hear more about these things in the coming days. I think we'll start to hear more from players in the coming days. Uh, before we get again into the break and then into the defensive preview, just a couple of players of note that have decided to opt out that could have effects for the Lions. A couple of former Lions have opted out. Leo Kolomatangi, the former practice squad and sometimes 53-man roster center, opted out for the Jets. And Larry War- Warford, the former third-round pick, he also decided to opt out of this season on some of the Lions' opponents divisionally. Some of the bigger names, Eddie Goldman, decided to opt out. So that is going to leave the Bears with a hole in the middle of their defense. And maybe most notably for the Lions right now, Devin Funches, the wide receiver from the state of Michigan, the University of Michigan product, opted out for the Packers. He was potentially going to be the number two target for Aaron Rodgers this year behind Devontae Adams. He has decided to sit out this season. So the Lions opponents, at least in their divisional opponents, are starting to see some defections due to needing to opt out for COVID or choosing to opt out for COVID. So that's going to be something to watch really all week long. And I think that we're going to see more and more opt-outs as we go here. So right after this break, we'll come back and we will preview the defense for the 2020 Detroit Lions entering training camp. Have you heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent. That's just a penny, a little Abraham Lincoln coin, every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code ROTHSHOW, that's R-O-T-H-S-H-O-W, or DealDash.FM backslash ROTHSHOW. That's DealDash, D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash ROTHSHOW. Go check them out. And hey, sports are coming back. They are back. The New York Mets have been on TV a lot. It's been very exciting. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Although you can't really bet on Nottingham Forest anymore because their season's over. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champion, big game Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's a promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now back to our show. So, as I said, we're going to look at the Detroit Lions defense today. Yesterday, we looked at the offense. Hopefully, you will check out that podcast if you haven't already. And we will start right up front when it comes to the defense. We will start actually at defensive end where Detroit is going to be relying a lot on 
Trey Flowers, last year's big ticket free agent signing, took a little while to get into form last year. He was coming off of an injury, didn't really practice much at much, much at all during training camp, and the first month of the season for Trey Flowers was a little bit rough. But by the second half of the year, the Lions saw what they were hoping they would see out of the guy that they paid a ton of money to, and guess what? That's what they're hoping he will build on for 2020. The Lions need Trey Flowers to be an elite-level defensive end and an elite-level pass rusher because that is the only way they're definitively going to get pass rush pressure on opposing quarterbacks this year, and that will help out in coverage, and we'll get more to that later. But this all starts with Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers is the guy who should be able to maybe beat some double teams here and there, should be able to annihilate one-on-ones, and should be able to collapse the pocket enough that if the interior of the defensive line gets pressure, which is how Matt Patricia's defense likes to run, he will be there to clean up sack after sack. So who's going to be with him? Well, there are two men. They're both named Aquara, and they're both going to play a role on the end for the Lions. We'll see what they do with Julian Aquara, whether they end up playing him more as a defensive end or as maybe a stand-up edge rusher. Still don't know totally about that. We're going to see as they experiment during camp, but they took him in the third round of the draft, and he's a guy that, frankly, had he not gotten injured at Notre Dame last year, he might have been a first-rounder. He was at one point being talked about as a potential top-10 pick. I still think this was the Lions' best pick in the draft when it comes to value and terms of selection, and I think that they might have gotten a steal in him as long as he's able to come in healthy. And by all accounts so far, he has been healthy and he is healthy. And a guy who has told me that himself, Romeo Aquara. So, Romeo Aquara is obviously Julian Aquara's older brother. They're also teammates, and they are also playing the same position for the Lions. And Romeo Aquara is going to be expected to look more like the guy he was two years ago when he was claimed on waivers from the Giants and then had a standout season in his first year in Detroit than the guy he was last year where he was kind of just there. But that's a tough knock on him because everybody on the Lions defensive line was just kind of there. But they're going to need Romeo Aquara to have a pretty good season. They're going to need Julian Aquara to adapt quickly, and that potential is there. And they need Trey Flowers to be very, very, very productive throughout the season. Then there's Austin Bryant. Basically a lost season for him as a rookie last year, kept dealing with injuries. But the fourth rounder does have potential. He's always had that coming out of Clemson. He has good size. There is some there's something there. There's something to that, right? Like he has a good build. He's got a good body. There is good speed there. Again, does he line up with his hand on the ground? Does he line up a little bit standing up? Kind of remains to be seen a little bit. I think he ends up with his hand on the ground a bit more. But Austin Bryant, to me, is the big question mark for them at this position. If Austin Bryant can come in and be a productive player early on, I think that this group of defensive ends that could have a chance to be pretty, pretty good, way better than the group that they had a year ago. So then you look a little bit inside, and let's start with another guy coming off of injury, Deshaun Hand. Deshaun Hand's season was also mostly lost last year. He just couldn't stay on the field. He was out for a while, came back, and then immediately ended up getting hurt again. So the Lions are obviously hoping this was a fluke situation instead of something maybe portending his future with the club. As long as it is, is more of a fluke thing, Deshaun Hand can build on what was a dynamic rookie year 
in Detroit. He was one of the better interior linemen drafted in his draft class in 2018. He looked like he could potentially be a star on the inside, a guy who maybe would follow in that, not at that level, but following that Indomitian Sioux type of footsteps, following that Haluti Nada footsteps, where he would be the anchor of that defensive line, not necessarily in size, but he would be able to play well nicely off of Damon Harrison. He'd be much more aggressive rushing the passer than Damon Harrison was last year, and he would be a guy that they can move both inside and outside, be a really versatile piece. Didn't really get to see that last year. Don't know what type of shape he's going to be coming in at this season because we haven't seen him in so long, but if he comes in in good shape, then he can hopefully still grow and continue on the track he was on as a rookie because that was a really potentially impressive one that could have turned him into Bob Quinn's best day three selection had he played last year and played well instead of getting hurt. He was on that type of path. So Deshaun Hand's going to be a guy to watch this year and one of the few guys that I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to once pads come on. Moving even more on the interior, there's a bunch of questions in the middle of this Lions defense. Defensive tackle still, to me, the spot where there's the most unknowns among this position group. The Lions signed Danny Shelton uh, off of the Patriots in free agency. They're hoping he's going to kind of be that Snacks Harrison replacement. He has the size for it at Six foot two, three hundred thirty-five pounds. He's a very large man. He has some potential for sure. He showed some real run-stopping capability when he was in New England. He was a high draft pick, I believe, second rounder out of Washington back in the day. If Matt Patricia is able to use him similarly to how the Patriots use him and get the same type of production, Danny Shelton might have ended up being a really good signing. Then there's the guy that's going to potentially play next to him if Deshaun Hand isn't playing next to him, and that is Nick Williams. Nick Williams is a guy that, frankly, is a journeyman. He had no sacks coming into the 2019 season. He had the best season of his career with the Bears last year, and then he ended up getting a pretty decent contract from the Detroit Lions, and is expected, frankly, to be no worse than their number three interior lineman, if not a starter. But the question will be, did Nick Williams find something last year and be able to build on it? Or was that a George Johnson-esque one-year wonder type of situation and he's going to regress back to the mean here in 2020 in Detroit in a new defense that he's not familiar with? And if that happens... Where does that leave the interior pass rush for the Lions? Because Danny Shelton's more of a run stopper, and they're really looking to hand and maybe to Nick Williams to get some of that pass rush pressure on the interior to force quarterbacks to roll out of the pocket where guys like Trey Flowers and Jamie Collins potentially will just be sitting there waiting for them to pick up the sacks. Who else is behind those guys? There's a bunch of unknowns and rookies. They drafted John Piacini in the sixth round and Jay Sean Cornell in the seventh. They do different things, but we haven't seen them on the field yet. I can't sit here and pretend to say that I know exactly what either one's going to bring because haven't been able to watch them at all. I like what I saw on college tape out of Piacini. I think he's more of a pass rusher than what you may get out of Jayshon Cornell. However, I think he can do a little bit of both. To me, he's a guy that you can build. You can maybe treat as a depth guy early on, work him in as a, rot- as a rotational guy, and hopefully he shows enough that by the end of the season, he's getting a decent number of snaps. But he's a guy, I think, to watch. He's got interesting size, too, at 6'2", 325 pounds. Jay Sean Cornell is a smaller guy. He could end up being, if he makes the team, 
maybe a backup to Deshaun Hand. He's 6'3", 290, and he's got some pass rush skills as well. But I think there's just a lot of unknowns when it comes to Jay Sean Cornell. And as a seventh-round pick, it's kind of a toss-up. That's the type of guy, along with Piacina, that could have really benefited from any type of spring. And they're going to have to make an impression fast. Why is that? Because Kevin Strong, last year's UDFA surprise on the roster, is back this year presumably is healthy. He was good enough last year to work his way into the rotation. Considering what the Lions have at defensive tackle this year, he should be good enough again to work his way into the rotation as long as he's healthy. Plus, he has some experience which could come in as valuable this year in an unknown season for the Lions. Beyond that, you've got John Atkins who's been on the team for a couple years. He could end up surprising and pushing for a roster spot. Frank Heron was around the team for a little while. And then you've got Olive Saga, Olive Saga Polu. Apologize for not pronouncing that correctly, probably. And, you know, it's a bunch of guys on the interior that you just don't know much about beyond Danny Shelton. And that's why I think there's just so many questions there. And if I'm the Lions, I'm still really concerned about what that's going to look like, especially early on in the season, because these guys aren't going to have time to really learn games and, and stunts with each other because most of these guys have not played with one another before you look at it and Piacini, Cornell, Shelton, and Williams all new to the Lions roster this year. So it's going to take some time to build some chemistry there. Then we're moving back to linebacker where again, there's a lot of depth and I think some definitive questions. You know what the Lions have theoretically in Jamie Collins, their bigger defensive free agent signing. Collins can play any linebacker position for you. He's good at covering tight ends, and he's good at covering running backs if you need him. He can get after the passer if you maybe use him in that edge rush role like Devon, like the since-departed Devon Kennard would have been in. And theoretically, you can play him at, I think, either really outside spot and have him play potentially really, really well. That's why the Lions signed him. Matt Patricia, you figure, has a definitive plan for him, having coached him in New England previously, that's going to hopefully help his learning curve as well. And the Lions, if they're going to have any success on defense this year, they really need Jamie Collins to be the Jamie Collins he was during part of his time in New England. And they also need Jared Davis to figure things out a little bit more too. Jared Davis's role right now, I couldn't tell you what it's going to be. He might still be in the middle, but they drafted Jelani Tavai last year. They liked what they saw, and I think he gives them a little bit more sideline-to-sideline flexibility, and I think he's a little bit more of an accomplished tackler. And I think you want, if you're the Lions, you want to get Jelani Tavai in the game as much as possible, and that might come at the expense of Jared Davis. But Jared Davis has shown the ability to be able to rush the passer off of delay. So maybe you move Jared Davis to that Devon Kennard role and let him play there. The one place you probably don't want him is on the weak side because one place that Jared Davis has struggled throughout his career has been in coverage. And in this critical season for Matt Patricia and for Bob Quinn, I don't think you want to trust Jared Davis out there doing that, at least until you can see him do it with consistency. And again, that's where no spring and no preseason is going to hurt. Christian Jones is a guy that the Lions signed to an extension a few years back. He's a guy that they like. He's somehow, even though you wouldn't necessarily expect it, started every game that he's been in Detroit for. And he's a guy that they just trust. He's a capable tackler. He can cover a little bit. He's not going to wow you by any stretch of the imagination, but he's got decent athleticism, and he's a leader in that linebacker room. He right. I don't know if he's going to start because, again, you have Jamie Collins, you have Jared Davis, you have Jelani Tavai, who we talked about a little bit. 
and it depends whether they what type of packages they run, but they feel good about what they have in Christian Jones. And at worst, he's your first linebacker off the bench that can play multiple positions. At best, he's a starter for you and continues in that role. So we've covered kind of those top four guys. Then what happens behind them? Well, Reggie Ragland to me is the most interesting of the new guys slash reserves in that Reggie Ragland is a very good run stopper. He's shown that in during his early career in Kansas City. He has familiarity with some of the guys he's going to be playing in front of, particularly Deshaun Hand, because they played together at Alabama. And he's a guy that really could even push Jared Davis for his job, which is going to be something to watch because the Lions love everything they get from Jared Davis on a human level and on a leadership level, but they didn't pick up his fifth-year option for a reason. And if Reggie Ragland, Ragland can really push him in camp, that's going to make for an interesting conversation. Now, he prob Jared Davis probably makes the team, and Reggie Ragland might as well because, of as we talked about, I think they're going to go more veteran-heavy and more veteran heavy with their depth this year than maybe they would in years past. But Reggie Ragland's a guy that I think could surprise some people and really maybe push to get some significant playing time, especially in early rundowns, possibly at the expense of Jared Davis. Beyond that, I think you're looking at some guys who are competing for special teams roles. Jason Cabinda on the team toward the end of last year has some really strong special teams ability. The Lions signed Elijah Lee, the former Kansas State player who was last in San Francisco. He has high-level special teams ability and could be a, a guy that really can maybe even take, say, Miles Killebrew's job as a special teams, or, teams player or even Jalen Reeves-Maven. Jalen Reeves-Maven is more of an outside linebacker, a guy that – you know, you keep waiting for that speed and that coverage ability to unlock because I think it's in there. He's shown it in flashes. He's one of the Lions' core special teams players, one of their better special teams players. But if he gets outplayed, say, at linebacker by Elijah Lee, do the Lions stick with Lee over Reeves-Maben because Reeves-Maben's in a contract year? That's going to be a tough battle as well, one that's going to maybe not go with a ton of attention, one that, frankly, we might not see all that much of because that's one that you might see play out during preseason games. But Reeves-Maben, Elijah Lee, Jason Cabinda, Christian Sam, Anthony Pittman for maybe two or at most three linebacker spots is going to be something to really watch. Looking now at cornerback, this might be one of the deeper positions the Lions have on the team, but also the one with a ton of turnover. Gone is Darius Slay. Gone is Quandre Diggs, although we knew that at the middle of last year. Gone is Rashawn Melvin. In is first-round pick, number three overall, Jeff Okuda. In is Desmond Trufant, the very good cornerback from Atlanta. Justin Coleman remains in potentially is a larger role for Amani Awarie. But there's a lot of questions in this group that we just don't know the answers to yet. How quickly will Jeff Okuda come along? Jeff Okuda, by all accounts, is a guy who should be able to pick things up very quickly. He's a guy that everybody that I spoke with during the draft process and after the Lions selected him raved about him. We're talking about college coaches, mentors, even random other people who have mostly watched him play, other NFL cornerbacks, high-level NFL quarterbacks, corner cornerbacks, they've all raved about Jeff Okuda. But Jeff Okuda missed the spring that didn't exist, and he's going to be coming in, and it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly he is able to adapt to the NFL system. He's going to get some good tests early on, theoretically going up against Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones in practice, which can only help him 
as quickly as possible. But, but, but he's still going to need to see some live game action. He's going to make some mistakes this year, but he should be a good one. And I think he will be very quickly. Desmond Trufant, I have some questions there. Just what level? What level is he at? Is he at the top of his game level, like that you saw maybe three, four years ago in Atlanta, or is he at now, where he's a good cornerback to very good, but in some cases, and more than likely, he's a great number two corner, which is why you'd need Jeff Okuda hopefully become a number one sooner than later. But Desmond Trufant can cover number one receivers. To me, it's a step down from Darius Slay and. You could have really had a Darius Slay-Jeff Okuda pairing for a year that would have been one of the better secondary tandems, cornerback tandems in the division, and if not the conference. But you don't have that. You've got Desmond Trufant and Jeff Okuda instead. And I think that that can still be potent for the Lions as long as they get, as we talked about earlier, pass rush. Because Okuda and Trufant and Justin Coleman, they're all going to struggle if the Lions can't pressure the passer. Justin Coleman should slide right back into his role at the slot. He played very well there at the beginning of the year, tailed off towards the end of the year when he had to play a little bit more outside. And again, they just weren't getting pressure, and that's really hard on slot corners as well, especially when receivers are running across the field. You're playing man, and you have to chase him the whole time. You just run out of gas. That's just what happens. But Justin Coleman should continue to be a good player in the slot for the Lions. Then beyond that, there are some questions. Will Amani Awarie take the step from rookie corner to good second-year corner? I think you saw flashes of that in the second half of the season. He showed good ball instincts. He showed the ability to pick off passes. And he's long. He's rangy. He's not afraid to tackle. At 6'2", 205, he's a bigger corner. So that makes him a little bit more attractive for the Lions as well. Frankly, I think if Okuda struggles early on, you could see Owarie maybe take some snaps from him, maybe even take some snaps from Trufant. Make sure you get him some work because he's only 24. He's only his second year in the league. I think he's got some real potential. To me, Amani Owarie is the really guy to like look at as a sleeper pick to make a real difference for the Lions this year. Beyond that, it's probably special teams when you're looking at the Lions cornerbacks and, and who makes this team. Tony McRae, played under Braden Coombs in Cincinnati. That could play a role for him to make this team. Daryl Roberts has some experience both on special teams and as a cornerback. That can make him attractive. Plus, again, he's a veteran, so he understands the league. He's 29 years old. Mike Ford has experience with the Lions. He has experience in Matt Patricia's system. He's one of the team's better gunners and special teams players as well, so that could get him on the field. And also, he started games both his first two years in the league. So he has that starting experience and you know what you're getting from him in a pinch. It's not awesome cornerback play, but it's good enough. It's average cornerback play in the NFL and that might be enough to keep him on the roster for a third season. What they do with Divergent, again, one of their better special teams players, one of their top gunners, but he's not giving you a ton at corner at 5'9". He's maybe your backup to... Justin Coleman in the slot, but they might have other options there, whether that ends up being a Warrior or maybe McCray or a Ford or even a Mike Jackson. So there are going to be different combinations and different kind of machinations of how all of this is going to work. I think D Virgin, if he makes the team, is going to be largely off of his special teams, but I think there's a better chance for D Virgin to make the team this year, which he did last year, because Jamal Agnew, the former backup corner, backup slot corner, is now overplaying offense. Now you could always move Jamal Agnew back in a pinch, and that's one of the 
versatility points we talked about yesterday that could keep him on the roster. But there's that path cleared a little bit for a guy like D. Virgin or Tony McRae or Daryl Roberts or Mike Ford or Mike Jackson to make sure they're on this team because that's one less potential corner slot, say, say if Agnew had won the returner role, that would be available this year that might not have been available last year. Then we're going to what I think might be the deepest position on the Lions defense, that's safety. That starts with Tracy Walker. Walker, to me, has the potential to be a breakout candidate this year. I think he's going to be able to play a little bit with a little bit more freedom and a little bit more naturally now that the Lions have Deron Harmon, who can play a bit more free safety, and that can allow Tracy Walker to come down in the box. Tracy Walker can play either spot. We know he has good ball skills. We know he has no problem hitting. He's long. He's rangy. He's 6'1", 210. He plays a lot larger than that, in my opinion. And I think he's a guy that really seems very determined to take another step this year he's taking good steps from his rookie year to his second year when he went from player with potential as a very surprised third round pick as a rookie to productive starter as a second year player now he needs to go in and be a leader of the defense and a leader of a retooled and new secondary and I think that that's where they're going to really view Tracy Walker and he's going to have to do that otherwise this could get really interesting in this secondary this season the guy who is likely going to be paired next to is Deron Harmon, who the Lions traded for during free agency. Interesting to see if the Patriots wish they made that deal now, considering that Patrick Chung opted out, one of the six Patriots to opt out on Tuesday. Harmon, the Lions know what they're getting from him. He's already been a leader. He's already immersed himself within the community. He's participated in town halls about voting. He's been a spokesman for the Lions already on Zoom calls. He's been all over the place, frankly. And again, he's a player like Jamie Collins that Matt Patricia knows exactly how he wants to use him. He understands the Matt Patricia defense because he played it in New England. So it should be a pretty seamless transition, just learning what his corner's like and how to play off of Tracy Walker and or Will Harris. And you kind of go from there. But I think Teron Harmon's a good addition. He's a smart addition. And I think he's going to be beneficial for Detroit's defense this year. So where does that leave Will Harris, who frankly was the beneficiary last year of Detroit trading Quandre Diggs at midseason? Will Harris got a lot more time, a lot more reps. He was okay. I think the Lions will try to run a lot of three safety looks, and maybe that's where Will Harris gets on the field a little bit more. I think he needs to take a step, needs to show some growth from his rookie year to his second year to be productive and probably to get on the field much at all considering the Lions did trade for Harmon. They do have Tracy Walker, and they also signed Jerron Curse in free agency. Curse, more of a down-in-the-box type of safety. He's also incredibly rangy. To me, he's like more of a chess piece. I know we talked about it on a prior podcast that maybe you try and use in multiple different ways. Maybe you can be a guy that comes on the field in dime packages because he's got the size to be a kind of hybrid linebacker safety. So, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Curse, what they do with Will Harris. And then there's Miles Killebrew, the longtime special team standout for the Lions, a fan favorite. He's got positional flexibility at linebacker safety. He re-signed with the Lions. If they can keep him, I think they will. But the question is, how many special teams guys can you really have and how many can you really hold? Now, that positional flexibility will help, but does Jaron Curse have that Similar flexibility to Miles Killebrew, and if Curse plays Killebrew and gives more on defense, and they both can play special teams, maybe that pushes Killebrew off the roster. It's a roster bubble situation, I think, for Miles Killebrew this year. It's going to be an interesting situation to watch. 
Other than that, I think they've got maybe room for one more safety on this team. Potentially, is that C.J. Moore for a second straight year? He certainly would have a leg up on the undrafted free agents that the team brought in in Jeremiah Dinson and Jalen Elliott. But I don't know at this point. You just really, And Bobby Price as well. But you just really don't know what this is going to look like. Again, C.J. Moore has some experience. They kept him on the roster. He's a good special teams player. But how many special teams players can you afford to keep? in a year where you probably need to have some guys that are maybe a little bit better on defense than special teams in a pinch. Again, C.J. Moore also has practice squad eligibility, so he's a guy that, to me, if for some reason he didn't make the roster, as long as he slipped through waivers, if there is waivers, however that's going to work this year, he's going to end up being on this team in some form or fashion on the practice squad, one would think. So that is the defense. We will get to special teams in probably a shorter episode Later on this week, there's actually stuff to talk about when it comes to special teams. That is our defensive preview. And I want to thank, as always, our sponsors for today's episodes, Deal Dash and Bet Online. want to thank Regents Field, who sponsored this podcast, and Blue Wire for hosting this podcast. Thanks to my producer, David Woodley. You can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And we will chat with you again soon.